we have a special offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our AG magazine for 12 months for just $62.99 and save 30% on the newsstand price. That's six issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $62.99. You'll find our special subscription offer at australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Hi, I'm Justin Walker, and you're listening to Talking Australia, a podcast by Australian Geographic. Today, I'm chatting to Molly Taylor. Molly is the youngest ever and the first female driver to win the Australian Rally Championship. Currently, she's competing in the all-new Extreme E Rally Championship for former F1 champion Nico Rosberg. G'day, Molly. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I can start off by asking you like, why a rally driver, but your parents, Mark and Coral, are a competitive rally driver themselves. So I'm guessing from a young age, surrounded by the sport, it had a heavy influence on your final career choice. Yeah, I was certainly grew up around the sport and a third generation rally driver. Um, so my my mum was actually four-time Australian champion co-driver. So that she was probably one of the biggest influences of me without sort of realising as I was, I was younger, watching, watching her compete and succeed. And, and my father um, was also quite a successful rally driver. And about the time I got my driving licence, he was running a rally school. So I didn't actually ever get involved earlier on, um, sort of in the, you know, when I suppose traditionally people involved in motorsport yep. would start karting very young, but I didn't start any of that. It wasn't until, um, yeah, I was driving on the road and, and my father actually said, well, you have to learn how to drive a manual competently and learn car control. So come out to the rally school and, you know, practice all these things on a, on a closed road. And yeah, well, yeah, my first experience of rally driving as well. And um, that was kind of, I suppose, the light bulb moment from my end and realized how much fun it was and and then decided that I wanted to have a go as well. Awesome. So when you started your career and because your parents were such highly regarded competitors, was there much pressure on you and, and how much came from yourself or from outside of the family? Oh look, I mean, from their side, they were they were very happy that I, uh, I suppose, found the joy in rallying that that they have. So there was that kind of shared um, passion, which was really cool, and they were very supportive. But certainly, from you know, pressure for results and making it a career, that was you know very much my decision. They would support support me in, in what I wanted to pursue, whether that was motorsport or, or something completely different. So um, yeah, I suppose that side. Um, came, came from within and, and, you know, it's always, I suppose, if you're competitive in nature or trying to do any kind of sport, you, you put that pressure on yourself to do well and um, that's really, really part of the game. Yep, for sure, for sure. So, as you said, your mum was one of the first females in Aussie motorsport and she got heaps of media attention back in the day. One, I think one story said as a heading, Australia's fastest housewives. <laughs> so, so how does that compare to your rally career today? Because I realise that it's still a very male-dominated sport, but you've been such a successful competitor, you know, in 2016, winning the Australian Rally Championship and being so successful overseas as well. Did you ever sort of think that it was um, your gender had much to do with the attention your mum got and you got? It was just people sort of ignore that in the sport themselves. It's only people from outside who don't understand that, that sort of think, oh, it's a lady doing doing something in a men's sport. Yeah, I think you really picked up on a great point and, um, you know, for sure the times were even 
it was even more unusual when my mum was doing it and particularly at, at her level. So, um, yeah, she definitely didn't fall into any typical stereotypes and I think yeah. that was actually looking back a really uh, influential subconsciously uh, moment for me as, as a young girl growing up. It's not like anyone said you have to do this and you can't do this, but this is that's just the nature I grew up in and that's what I saw. Um, so her just being a role model doing what she was doing, yep. I guess, gave me a different uh, lens in which I viewed what what men and women are supposed to do. So I think that that kind of helped me, I suppose, initially. Um, and certainly, you know, there's always going to be people, I think, in any sport where um, they have different opinions of you, but largely, <laughs> uh, as you said, you know, it's from the outside, really, that perception is, is bigger than when you're on the inside. Um, oh, you know, yep, my mum okay. was one of the crew. Um, they would all hang out. They would all, you know, be, be there as as equals and and that's really to the largest extent my experience is that the people that matter, the people within the circles, they just respond to people that are doing a good job and they're for the right reasons. And whether you're male or female, whatever, um, yep. so it's those elements that really speak for themselves. Yeah, that's fantastic. So at any stage did they tell you, no, no, don't do that, it's crazy and too fast and dangerous before when you first started or they just were happy to <laughs> let you do whatever? I mean, I uh, before I started rallying, I was really into horse riding and um, that was kind of my I don't know really how I, I got exposed to it, but from a really young age, that was what I was obsessed with. And, and my mum and dad sort of thought that uh, driving a rally car statistically was actually a lot safer than um, <laughs> riding a horse, which is fair enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously risks in anything you do, but, uh, you know, we put a lot of effort and onus and importance or priority on on safety and having the right safety equipment. And, we, you know, we yeah. um, the racing on closed roads, we, we know all the procedures and, and everything we have in place so it's obviously something we don't take lightly but we we prepare for as much as we can and um yeah I, I, it's definitely something that uh I suppose we, when you're driving in the stages you're not really thinking about about that side of things and it's you know it's like anything I think there's more there's more injuries in in football than there are in in motorsport so there's risks in everything but yeah yeah for sure yeah for sure so well, just a. Another thing on the whole motorsport thing, a lot of people see the in-car footage and, and you know, you're always sitting down to steering the steering wheel, changing gears. I think it's a very cruisy sort of sport, but it's actually a, <laughs> it's a huge amount of physical and mental fitness to, to be successful, doesn't it? Yeah, it's quite physical. Um, I mean, aside from the, uh, like we don't have any, I guess, assistance on the, the brake pedal and things like that. So the, the pressure that you're putting through the pedals is, is quite high. Uh, yeah. And then also uh, just internally you're in... Um, we have a full neck to toe Nomex underwear. We have a triple layer race suit. And then we have the helmets, gloves, balaclavas. So you're completely covered up. There's no air conditioning inside the cars. So on a hot day, you know, it can be 50 plus yeah, degrees wow. inside the car. And, and really your fitness at that point is about being to maintain complete mental concentration. And as soon as you get fatigued, you start to lose focus. And if you lose focus at those speeds, then that's when you're more likely to make a mistake. So uh, yeah, fitness is a is a crucial element um, from the physicality, and then also being able to be sharp mentally. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so mentally, I mean, you you're flying down these narrow roads up to 200 kilometres an hour, and it's going sideways around most of the corners, and it's dirt and gravel, and there's only, you know, one one thousandth of a second of error allowed, if anything. So that mental focus and mental strength must be just so draining after after an event. Yes, yeah, it's very uh, taxing um, for, from that side as well. You definitely feel the the mental fatigue by the end of a weekend and just also, you know, trying to 
that it's quite a, I suppose, high pressure environment as well. So there's a lot, um, a lot of different elements and a lot of things that have to come together just from the driver's seat, from the co-driving and that working together from the whole team and, yep. and the mechanical side. So yeah, it's, um, that there's quite a lot that goes into it. Uh, so they're, <laughs> they're pretty, um, full on weekends, but yeah, it's, um, it's the best fun. Oh, I bet. I mean, it looks, it looks amazing. And one of the other things, again, with rally driving, especially is that, that unique component of, component of you relying or both of you relying on there's yourself as a driver and then there's your co-driver slash navigator. So that's a, that's a big partnership you've got to build with involving lots of trust and those guys getting the directions right on the timesheets and the, and the drive sheets for the route. So, I mean, that must be a, I think it takes a long time to build between two people in such a, such a competitive and sort of dangerous environment. Yeah, the, I mean, the relationship and the trust between driver and co-driver is is absolutely critical to to driving fast and, and yeah, staying on the road. And I think it's, you know, it's often the, the drivers in motorsport that get um, most of the attention and most of the accolades, but, you know, it really is a team sport um, from the larger yeah. team and everyone that behind the scenes in, you know, preparing and engineering the car, but then um, the driver and co-driver, you're like you're you're each equally doing the work on the stages to um, to get that that result, and you can't you can't have one without the other. No, most definitely. I mean, that was where your mum was so successful, wasn't she, with the, the four championships and with Neil Bates, I think, for those. Yeah, yeah, priority. that's correct. And, and they were together, you know, for over 25 years, and I mean, they still work together. They're both in Bathurst, actually, working together this this weekend. So yeah. Uh, they, yeah, very very much that that uh, relationship. They completely yeah. trust each other and um you know that's really behind a lot of their success is being able to just consistently have that that yeah perfection in the car and and that speed that results from it actually speaking of your mum and neil how tough is it competing against your mum in the in the same races <laughs> i mean it's fine <laughs> for me um it's, it's funny because she finds it quite stressful the um when we first started um they were still competing in the outright categories and they would be ahead of us on the road and I think that was worse for her because they would go through the stage and if there was any particular corner that was you know maybe it rained and one corner was surprisingly slippery or there was some sort of dangerous section or, or just something that was a bit more tricky uh you know mum would go through it and and quite often there wouldn't be any time to you know communicate after that so she'll be thinking oh gosh I hope I hope Molly makes it through that that section <laughs> or, or whatever and um and then later when when we were competing in the outright categories and and uh, Mum and Neil were just uh, competing in, the, in a classic car, just just for a bit of fun. Um, they would run behind, so I think she found that a bit easier because she could sort of watch me go ahead, and she knew yeah. you know, they're on the stage <laughs> and she hadn't seen me. I'd gotten through, and it was all okay. So, um, yeah, but she's—I think she gets more stressed about it than, than I do, for sure. Okay, so there's no banter between each other before any race or anything. Oh, for sure, for sure, there always is, and and you know, if Neil. Um, gets a, a really good time in the classic car and gets a bit bit close, you know, he's definitely who will make sure <laughs> that you know about it and, and yeah, watch your back. So, I mean, that competitive nature will, will never, ever die with those two. <laughs> so it was, it was 2016 when you were the first and only female plus the youngest driver ever to win the Australian Rally Championship. But that was a, an end result in a way of a lot of years previously working hard in different classes of rally racing in Australia, but also in the UK. Is that right? Yes, yeah, I moved to the UK in 2009 and was there till 2014, um, competing in the British, uh, European and Junior World Rally Championships and, uh, yeah, basically trying to trying to uh, make a profession out of it. And in 2016, I got that opportunity with Subaru. So to be able to, to finally, after 
over 10 years of um, to yeah, trying, yeah. To, trying to make it happen, um, Subaru gave me that opportunity. And then, um, yeah, we were able to, to win the championship as well with that in that first season together. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment and a special year. Fantastic. And you also end up at some point racing in some rounds of the World Rally Championship as well, didn't you? Yes. Uh, in 2011, I was part of the Pirelli Star Driver Program, which was basically a, a scholarship uh, given to six juniors all over the world. We in, attended a, a shootout oh, wow. from 16. They selected uh, six to go through. So that was, yeah, that was an, an incredible opportunity to to yeah, get to the world stage. I didn't have the, the financial resources to do it uh, without an opportunity like that. So that um, yeah, led to some more uh, opportunities in the World Championship. And more recently, we did a few rounds this year as well. So uh, oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely that you know that's the the pinnacle of our sport to be uh, to be in World Championship events. From just from Australia, and like I said, in such a exclusive group of people getting into that uh, the final six and being able to compete in such a high high level, and that must have been pretty amazing. I think you won a stage too, didn't you? At one of the events in the junior series, yes. Yes, yeah, so fantastic! That was uh, definitely a highlight. Awesome. And now, since then, I noticed this last or this year, sorry, twenty twenty one. You've been racing in a electric vehicle rally series. So, what's the story there? The Extreme E Championship is that? How different has that been for you coming from a, you know, growing up with you know, manual gearboxes, internal combustion engines, and everything else in your Subarus and your other rally cars, and suddenly you're driving an electric car? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's quite different. I mean, probably one of the biggest differences is it's like 1.8 ton off-road SUV. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the size of it as well as the electric motors is um yeah it's it's quite big <laughs> so, oh, so the, uh, the weight's mostly from the from the batteries is that right uh from from the batteries from the chassis you know it's quite yeah. a big big off-road vehicle so it's completely different to a traditional you know rally car that's based on a, a hatchback or a sedan road car this is yeah. something that's that's purpose-built um not not based on any particular car just its own its own sure. design which is pretty cool and uh yeah so with the electric motors you have uh, instant torque, unlike an internal combustion engine. So yep. you have everything right there when you put your foot on the throttle, and but you don't have, as you say, you don't have the gearboxes and you don't have all those kind of audible cues and uh, feedback systems that you're used to as a driver. So it's uh, yeah. there's noise, but it's it's different and it's not as much. And so, yeah, there's all those kind of different, I suppose, sensations as a driver that you you have to get used to. But, I mean, it, I, was, I was surprised how much crossover there was between a traditional rally car or a traditional yep. car and that there wasn't like you were doing something you know trying to relearn how to do everything you're just adjusting to the, the differences of that car but it's a lot of fun to drive yeah sure i guess all your, your, your normal driving techniques are still the same aren't they just that you adapt them to that particular vehicle and that's weight and how it performs don't you yeah exactly i mean mechanically the the way the suspension and the brakes and, and all those work is all is all the same mechanical systems it's just you've got a bigger car more weight and um a different throttle response and the, and the way that that works. Oh, it sounds amazing. So that's still going on at the moment, is it? Yes, that's correct. We have uh, one round left of the championship uh, coming up at the end of the year. So, so yeah, it's okay. all um, it's all all been a very busy year. Awesome. And that's is that overseas the final round or? Yes. Yeah, we will be um, in on the eighteenth and nineteenth of December in the UK. Which is going to be nice that's and silly. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. After, especially because yeah. the first round was in Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the point of the series. We want to go to all the extremes and, and go to all these places all over the world and um, you know, race in all the elements, but also as well as racing, be able to really shine a spotlight on these locations and the effects climate change is having on those locations, what we are doing in those areas to help support 
um, those, those communities and, and those ecosystems. Yep. And then also more broadly, just day to day, how we and all our fans can, can use motorsport and, and use just our everyday lives to be more sustainable and, and have a positive impact yep. rather than, uh, than all taking. Yeah, for sure. And no, that sounds fantastic. Now, speaking of Saudi Arabia, I know that next year you're actually racing in the the Dakar Rally, which is a pretty iconic event. So it must be a very exciting time for you. And again, it's a different format, a different style of driving, 13 days in the desert compared to what you've done with your rally stages. So how are you preparing for that? And are you pretty excited about it? I think you must be. Yeah, I really, I mean, the Dakar Rally is something I've watched ever since I can remember and kind of one of those bucket list dreams that you know one day I want to try the Dakar rally and so to be able to yep. be doing that is really a dream come true and it, again as you say it's a completely a different discipline really to extreme e to rally um, we're in a can-am off-road buggy um, and then we're doing you know I think it's a total of 1200 oh sorry 4200 kilometers and over wow. Eight thousand, eight and a half thousand kilometers with the road sections all combined over those thirteen days in the desert, in the sand dunes, different styles of navigation. So it's um, yeah, real adventure, and I, I can't wait. Yeah, especially because I mean the whole mental approach will be different as well because it's such a long day or days in the desert, and you know there's no tracks. So you've got to find your own way, really, don't you, to get to the the end point as quick as you can. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more like orienteering um, than you know. We're not really following a road. We're just trying to follow bearings to get to, to certain waypoints throughout the day and you know if something goes wrong you've got to fix it you're in the middle of the desert you're on your own and um so yeah different completely different approach it, it's not uh, like a rally or extreme where it's really a, a sprint and it's all out the whole time this is something you have to be a lot more strategic um know yeah. when to push, know when to look after the car be able to deal with all the elements i mean it's it's going to be winter in saudi but it's still you know 30 to 40 degrees so it's still, still <laughs> so pretty uh, yeah it's a lot so um so yeah it's i'm just excited for all those challenges and and just to yeah take on the adventure oh, yeah that sounds fantastic and i think you've got dale muscat is it is your yes. one of your former co-drivers he's going to be yeah. on that with you yeah does that come yeah. back again to that whole you know you've you've had a partnership over the years so you've got that trust and, and things like that to to help you out there yeah, exactly. I mean, I've never done this this type of yep. events really before. So uh, for me, it was really important that I had someone with me who had done it before so they could, uh, you know, use their experience to help fast track mine rather than than two people learning at the same time. And um, I've, Dale and I have done more traditional rallies together before, yep. um, but Dale's also done the Dakar rally before. So it was someone that, that I knew. And, and so I knew from that side, we could jump in and, and go for it straight away. Um, but then he could also bring that experience. So um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty a harsh um, harsh outdoor uh, classroom, isn't it? The Dakar, so <laughs> exactly, you're going to be learning a lot very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of again, Saudi, when you were over there the first time, and with the Dakar again, have you, how did you find uh, fitting in as a as a female in that um, in that culture, I suppose, in that country? And did you find anything confronting or different when you were there? Was the event sort of its own sort of I don't know by itself type of thing, or what was the story there? Yeah, I mean, I think lotsly due to COVID, when, when we were at those events, you, you're kind of in this in this bubble just because that was you know earlier in the year, especially yeah. everything was in lockdown. So we we kind of had our own our own bubble by by nature of that. So um, which, which is in a shame in some ways because there's more of the country that that I would love to see. But it was it was great to um, yeah experience new parts of the world and and new cultures and and they were all very very welcoming and happy to have extremely awesome. there and happy to have the rally there. So. Um, yeah, I had, a, had a great experience, and um, yeah, it's it's just such a such a different place. The terrain is just you know when you're out in the middle of the desert, it's just there's nothing nothing you can see 
every yeah. star, <laughs> every angle. It's just all these amazing dunes, and it's um, yeah, it's quite quite a spectacular place. Oh, sounds amazing. I mean, I mean, and again, going back to you know being a female and a male dominated motorsport quickly. You're also an ambassador for Dare to Be Different, which is a bit of an initiative for female motorsport participants. How does that work? Uh, yeah, so that's um, yeah a great, uh, I suppose. Yeah, it started off as um, a organisation in the UK, and now we've been able to implement it all over the world. And here in yep. Australia, we have one of those arms. And uh, really, the the philosophy behind that is just trying to get girls, you know, between eight and eighteen, when they're at school, when they're you know playing sports and thinking about what subjects they want to do at school, and all of those things to take them to a workshop or a track and just expose them to motorsport and show them what what's involved, what's it, how yep. cool it is, what, what what's it like and and all the different roles. You know, it's not just about wanting to be a driver. It's about uh, what the mechanics do in a day, what the media crew do in a day, what the management does in a day and what the engineers do. And um, j- just to show them that, you know, these are also options for them as well. And, and I think yep. it's it's been such a rewarding experience because to see, uh, you know, these girls that that maybe didn't know much about it or were never exposed to it suddenly walk in and see all these cool things and and oh, yeah, of, be awesome. yeah I suppose you see these light bulbs going on and um you know maybe that'll influence the way they perceive what their options are in the future and I think that's that's the most important thing we can do is just uh I guess what my mum did for me was just yeah you see what other people do and and you don't always realize the impact that has on you at the time but it really is is pretty fundamental to how you perceive um what what is possible for yourself Oh, most definitely, definitely. So, amongst all this this fast paced life you've got, like, how do you how do you slow down and recharge? And do you, <laughs> spare, do you have any spare time? Or what do you do? Do you just sort of go home and relax, or are you always sort of yeah. thinking about the next event? Or <laughs> I mean, at the moment, there's there's not any spare time. Um, it's been ah. yeah, absolutely crazy, and especially um, you know this year being essentially stuck overseas. Like there were many Aussies that were stuck overseas, um, yep. but it was all a bit uh, un unplanned. So. I, spent about six months living out of a suitcase so just a lot of <laughs> hotel and and uh, spare bed uh, friends houses hopping throughout Europe um so yeah it's certainly uh would, would love to have a <laughs> a week at your time but uh, you know I mm-hmm. I'm so privileged and um yeah yeah be able to have these opportunities so I want to grab everything and and do it while I can but yeah definitely um just just chilling outside in nature is for me the best way to yeah, for a long walk in the bush or to the beach or something like that. No, definitely, and I mean, I mean, obviously now you're right in the the, the heat of your career, and the Dakar's coming, and there's more after that, most likely. But have you got anything in mind, or have you thought about you know 10, 15, 20 years time? Or would you be happy still to be racing the rally cars, or would you think of moving into a mentorship or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that, that far ahead is, is difficult in motorsport to yeah. think. I think even, you know, two years or three years ago, extreme didn't exist. So uh, yes. you know, I couldn't have even imagined that um, there would be an opportunity like this. So uh, I think it's, you know, definitely having goals and, and targets. And for me, you know, whilst I'm still can be competitive and love it, um, you know, I, I really enjoy it. So I, I don't think there's any... Um, yeah, desire to to stop soon and and now with doing these these Dakar off-road events. I mean, I always thought if you said in 10 years, what would you do? And I said I would love to do a Dakar rally. So it's pretty cool <laughs> that that's happening now. And and hopefully, you know, there's there's more opportunities in that space as well. So yeah, I'm just yeah. Um, I suppose in the mind to take every opportunity and run with it and and keep doing it while I enjoy it. And then, you know, hopefully being able to use that 
from from the sustainability side when we're looking at all these different categories of motorsport and how we're yeah. evolving that space and um yeah from uh, the the girls on track side if there's a way all that experience and all the work we're doing now can help shape um yeah a more more equal and sustainable future then I think it would be pretty cool to be part of that change. Oh, fantastic. Well, Molly, thanks heaps for your time today. It's been just great listening to you and uh, lots of good luck for the Dakar next year. We'll all be watching for sure. Very much. I appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of Talking Australia. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at australiangeographic. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Until next time.